Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel, and this is Engineering Success, episode 33. Hope you're doing all right. Things are good for me here in New Orleans, Louisiana. Life is pretty good, I'd have to say. I have no major complaints. Uh, we've entered the carnival season, uh, as they say, or as I'm butchering here in New Orleans. And what it means is that we have our lovely, lovely, lovely Mardi Gras season coming up. So very excited to have some friends come and visit me from Mardi Gras. So shout out to my friends. And uh, yeah, we're going to do a brunch tonight. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm brunch, brunch, you know, potluck dinner type thing tonight. Yeah. So anyways, I, I've been drowning myself in king cake, uh, eating a lot of food, uh, gaining a lot of weight, working a lot. But generally life is pretty good for me. I hope life is going good for you guys. Uh, feel free to let me know how you're doing down in the comments below. We are streaming live. So we currently have zero viewers, which is sick. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to quickly share the podcast. Um, oh, I don't know why the header photo says it's episode 32 because it's 100% episode 33. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll fix that later. Um, but let me just share the share it on Snapchat. Um And share it on Snapchat again. Episode 33 of the Engineering Success Podcast is live. Join on in. Let's see if people come and join us. We're very fun. Here on the Engineering Success Podcast. All right. So, anyways, that's uh, that's what's going on. But uh, let's let's go ahead and start out the podcast with some shout outs. So, first of all, shout out to our boy John Ott. Thank you, John, for your support of the podcast and for continuing to support the podcast every single month. Join John Ott by supporting the podcast on Anchor or Patreon. If you go into the description box of this episode of the podcast, you'll see that there's instructions on how you too can support the podcast. And if you support the podcast by donating $10 a month, I will give you a shout out in every single episode at the very beginning of every single episode. It's uh, it's pretty affordable for those of you advertisers out there that are looking for advertisement. I'd say that uh, $10 to have your name or your product or your people um, listed uh, at the beginning of every single one of my episodes of my podcast in perpetuity is pretty cool. So make sure you do that. Uh, also, shout out to our website. I'm going to show you all something pretty cool here. So if you go into your google.com and you type in success com you will see something pretty freaking cool this is what you'll see you'll see the web page for the engineering success podcast and what you'll see is that i will have uploads of the latest episodes of the podcast you have the links to anchor and patreon to support the podcast you can even sign up for a subscription to get notified each time I publish either a blog post or an episode of the podcast. All of that gets uploaded here. And you can hear, see a little bit of description about who I am, see what I'm doing on Twitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on the website. It's very new. But um, and you can see reviews. And you can even again, sign up to stay in touch and see all the links to all my social medias. So it's pretty cool. I paid for a domain because I just love sinking money into this podcast that makes me no money, um, but it's it's my hobby. It's something that I enjoy. It's something fun. So I appreciate your support. And what you can see is you can see um, podcast. You can see uh, an article I wrote on what are credit hours, um, which oh, I guess I got to get rid of that. <laughs> but we'll talk more about what credit hours are later. And and yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I just kind of make posts about career and stuff like that. So. Uh, make sure to support the podcast by checking out our webpage, engringsuccess.com, has episodes. Uh, 
And as you saw flashing up on the screen earlier, uh, the new way to contact, you can still reach me at uh, engring.success at gmail.com, but you can also reach me at daniel at engineering, daniel at engringsuccess.com, daniel at engineringsuccess.com. So yeah, give me, a, give me a ring, contact me, let me know how you're doing, and I look forward to hearing from you guys. All right, so what are you most excited about? So I'm most excited about Mardi Gras, but let me know down in the chat what you are most excited about right now. All right, well, let's get into the podcast. You know, it wouldn't be an episode of Engineering Success Podcast without our good old friend, LinkedIn Lunatics. So let's get into it. And for those of you who haven't heard of LinkedIn Lunatics, LinkedIn Lunatics is a subreddit on reddit.com. And... It is, uh, it's a really, really, really fun subreddit because what it does is it just shows the absolute utter chaos that's happening in our land of LinkedIn. It is absolute chaos what's happening in LinkedIn. We have LinkedIn is just basically a worse version of Facebook so far. And also you got a bunch of people that are just posting some absolutely cringy content on there. So, uh, it's my job as the host of the Engineering Success Podcast to bring all that cringe content to light. So here is the first one. Just got laid off, offer to work for free. <laughs> We've seen a lot in Utah this week. If you were recently laid off, here's what I'd do. One, don't apply to jobs. It's a joke. You won't be seen, replied to, etc. Two, Build a list of three companies where you 30 companies where you'd fit or they'd have a need for your skill. Three, offer to help for free. Figure out how to help with at that stage of the company. You can build a template, cold skull script, sequence, write a blog post, build a dashboard, help with Salesforce, etc. Reach out to CEOs and VPs there with a helping message. Hey CEO, I was recently laid off. In my downtime, I'm hoping to hone my skills in whatever you can do and want to practice it doing it with other companies. Could I help you with whatever you do for free? When you get a reply, execute as fast as you can with the highest quality. Worst case scenario, you'll learn more skills to add to your story. Network with people you who know a lot of other people who could use your skills. Get a paid consulting gig. Get a full-time job. Or get told no, no, which to which you can ask for a referral. Okay, so that was a lot. Um, don't apply for jobs. It's a joke. You won't be seen. Not sponsored by Coca-Cola, by the way. Um, I, I would, I, if you get laid off, I would recommend applying to new jobs, especially if you want to find a new place of employment. Uh, that's for sure. Um, and Working for free, I, you know, what, what, what I'd say is honestly treat getting your new job like a full-time job. And this person's methodologies for that is 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 building, is working for free. But what they're saying, basically what they're saying is adding to your portfolio. And I get where they're going with this. Um, but, and some people do it with like personal projects and other people do it with... Uh, I guess apparently working for free for other companies. I think that you're the likelihood that you find a company that isn't like a startup uh, that's willing to, to to kind of accept some work from you like this is um, is difficult. You know, so I will. I don't know if I really would offer to work for free. Maybe I mean, you say end up with a paid consulting gig. Maybe maybe even I don't know. Hear me out. Why don't you just pitch yourself as a consultant for paid consulting gigs instead of offering to work for free? I, I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't fully agree um, with this person. I get what they're going at, right? You want to you want to build your portfolio, but you can build your portfolio by building onto your website. Sorry, you can build your portfolio by um, yeah, uh, and offering services as a consultant, but. Working for free and say, hey, use me, work me, work me for free. I don't necessarily agree with that. So I get where they're going with it, but I just don't fully agree. And so, I mean, a lot of people are absolutely going in on this guy. They're saying, 
Frankly, any company that accepts random cold messages, people looking to work for reason free is a major red flag. The only exception I can think of is charities. Yeah. Maybe maybe build your portfolio and do stuff for a charity that you support and you believe in, and then add that to your portfolio. But yes, continue to apply for jobs. Continue to leverage your connections. Reach out to the people you know in the industry. Say, hey, can you help me out? Can you help me uh, network into a job? I would, to advise against doing that is, in my opinion, kind of reckless. <laughs> Here's a good one. I'd happily do your accounts payable for free. Just send me your bank login info and I'll get churning. I'll get cold calling customers, an agent of your company, and selling right away. Don't worry about my knowledge of the product or training or regulatory compliance. It'll be fine. Hey, I'm going to take your trademarked images and logos and make a blog. That's going to make me more employable, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and then and you're just making them, yeah, doing a blog for them. is like, I mean, no no real company is going to want some some person that doesn't know anything about the company, hasn't been trained, has no compliance or anything like that, writing a blog to be the formal communications of that company. So, yeah, I don't think that that's the best advice. So what I'll say is I think that whenever you get laid off, you know, it's it's important to just kind of follow the, the general recommendations instead of trying to you know what I mean? It, it, it just, that's just not, not ideal. Uh, so I'd give them an eight out of 10 on the scale of LinkedIn to lunatic. All right. Yeah. Again, this podcast is not sponsored by Coke, but if you're watching the video version, I am drinking a Coke and just a quick anecdote here. Um, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but when I was a kid, I hated Coke. And the more I started drinking coffee, the more I realized that I like Coke. And maybe it's just the way that you drink, you know, coffee is like it's, it's a different pace, right? When I was a kid, I was like, I want lemonade, sugar water. And I just freaking gulp that stuff down. And now, now that I drink coffee, like three or four cups a day, I also like Coke. And I feel like this, the pace at which you drink a Coca-Cola is like very similar to like the pace that you drink a coffee. If, if you haven't thought about this, just like maybe the next time you have Coke and you have coffee kind of observe yourself but the occasional small little savory sip of a coca-cola is and has become very pleasant for me so coca-cola if you're listening to this or watching this um you should support this podcast and you should yeah you should you should support the engineering success podcast because i'd really appreciate it that's for sure all right let's go on to the next one the next one is the next one is this is a doozy <laughs> titled let me take pride in toxic work culture I'm going to go past this guy's name hey work on weekends for me it's just another day the thing is, weekends are man-made. If you have energy to work on weekends, why take rest? Just because it's the weekend? I read this somewhere. Weekends are an act of corporate trickery, a dangling carrot that keeps workers tethered to their jobs. Don't let the matrix trick you. Okay, this is just kind of all over the place. Um, I mean, maybe this man is a startup and he's like grinding every... I mean, I... If you count the stuff that I do for this podcast, I guess, yes, I work on weekends and, and this is kind of a continuous churn. So maybe for a startup, that makes sense. But no, uh, as a, as an employee of a company that, uh, thankfully has a nine to uh, Monday through Friday, five day work week, um, thanks to, uh, lots of progress that has happened in society. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative of, of my weekends off and I will not be working weekends unless I absolutely have to. So yeah, I will rest because it's the weekend. Cause we need, you need rest. You know, if you're going to burn yourself out if you're constantly working every single minute of every single day, it's, it's just going to, it's the quickest route to burnout. So I'd say 
No, no, this is, this, if you work a work for an employer, I'd say that this is absolutely terrible advice. Um, and I don't, don't let the matrix trick you. Okay. Don't, is this like a quote? No, I mean, maybe we could watch this video about how not to become a bot by X Neptune on YouTube, but no, don't let the matrix fool you. No, there's nothing about this. This is not a thing. Okay. So here's what I'd say about this bad boy or this, this LinkedIn post. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand the advice here. So. Yeah, um, the working week is also man-made. And to be fair, we as people are also... Okay, I got to see this. <laughs> the working week is also man-made. To be fair, we as people are also man-made. <laughs> uh, what a prick. Uh, yeah, the two-day weekend exists only through years of campaigning with the likes of unions and other groups. This guy would like to see us go back to the 19th century. Yeah. That's... That's, yeah, not ideal, man. So... Here's what I'd say. I'd say this is terrible advice. Uh, 10 out of 10, LinkedIn lunatic. Um, for me, it's just another day. No, for me, it's my day of rest. So thank you, buddy. Uh, on to the next one. Next one is not sure who's crazier, the poster or the 19% of people who think it's okay to cold call on Christmas. So I don't know if you know any of y'all realize this, but we recently had a holiday called Christmas. Um, and this guy uh, said, should you cold call on Christmas Day? It was a poll on LinkedIn. He said, I've seen a lot of heavy debate about this on LinkedIn recently. What do you think? Nineteen percent. Of, well, first of all, he asked the question, which is just no. The answer is no. No, you shouldn't cold call on Christmas Day. It's like a holiday everywhere, pretty much, unless unless it's not a holiday in the country that you live in. Um, no, you, you, unless it's not a unless it's not a holiday. Sure, if it's not a holiday wherever you live, it's fine. But if it's a holiday, especially I'm gonna, I answer everything from the U.S. perspective, right? That's insane. If somebody and only before one p.m., that's even worse. That's like my getting. That's. Uh, before 1 p.m. on Christmas, that's whenever I'm like having, opening gifts with my family, having my family's breakfast. So no, no, it's not okay to cold call on Christmas. If somebody cold called me on Christmas, I would blacklist that company because their values don't align with the values that I want. That's not a hustle. It's not a sign of like dedication. It's a sign of insanity and it's not what I want to work with. So yeah. OMG. I can't think of a quicker way to make me avoid your product purely for the principle. Hate the words grind. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have drank a Coke. I hate, hate the words grind and hustle. Overuse. Silly. Let's crush this. Let's try to leverage this common thread. Yeah. No. Ridiculous. And there were like a thousand votes. So that means like 200 people said. Yeah, you should cold call on Christmas Day. Maybe, 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 just maybe he was like filtering this out so that that way he could see the people that said yes, so that that way he could personally cold call them on Christmas Day. I don't know. Um, but yeah, kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. So yes, I give this one 11 out of 10 uh, on the LinkedIn lunatic scale. Again, LinkedIn lunatic is just the name of the subreddit. I'm not calling these people lunatics, but this is insane. So no, you should not cold call on Christmas Day. If you cold call me, I got one of those extended, extended, I even got one of those extended car warranty scam calls on Christmas Day. They, I mean, these people don't rest. But gosh, no, 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 stop it. Don't cold call on Christmas. So, all right. Well, that's been our segment of LinkedIn Lunatics. I will 
take a quick breather to get a beverage that is not Coca-Cola so I don't keep on burping and then I will be right back. So we're gonna take a quick break and I'll be right back. And we're back. So if you were listening to the audio podcast, then you should have gotten an ad there. Hopefully we are still getting ads on the podcast in the time that you're listening to it. And if you're watching on the video version, you might notice I forgot to shave. So you're welcome. All right. Well, that was LinkedIn Lunatics. Let's get into the meat of the podcast. I did a little bit more research recently and I made a fun little slideshow on what are credit hours in college. So I forgot to pull it up. And even in that break time, I didn't pull it up. So give me a breather and I will pull it up real quick. So I was thinking about like things that whenever I was in high school were really confusing to me. And one of the things that was kind of confusing to me when I was in high school, when I was like thinking about like going to school for engineering, is this concept that was talked about all the time. And people just talked about it with me, like they just assumed that I understood it. And I didn't really actually fully understand this concept until after I got to college, which is, which if you ask me is kind of crazy, right? Like, like people just kind of expect you to know what credit hours are. And they talk about college in the terms of credit hours, but most of the kids in high school don't know what credit hours are. So unless you take like dual credit or something like that. But so I created this video to talk about what are credit hours. And I'm hoping that those of you that are still in high school that are listening or watching um, can learn a little bit about what credit hours are. So what are credit hours? So credit hours are basically one of the most critical things for you to understand whenever it comes to planning out your college experience, whenever you're transitioning from high school to college to go study for engineering. And what they are is they are a measurement for the hours you spend in class for a course. So typically one credit hour equals one hour in class. Now there are a couple exceptions to this. For example, I took a physical education class uh, that met three hours a week, but it counted for one credit hour because it was it was actually the university doing me a solid because um, because of something that I'll explain later. But um, and then also some of my lab courses, I would spend three hours in class, but it would count for one credit hour. Uh, but for the most part, your general classes, uh, the ratio is one credit hour equals one hour in class. And the reason why that's important is they are the basis of your payment. So again, I said the university was doing me a solid. They were making me basically not have to pay as much for my PE class because it was one credit hour. Um, they also are for planning and studying. And they also are for requirements for fulfilling your major. So credit hours for planning. Let's see if I... No, I didn't go into it, but here's how they're used for planning. So the ratio for planning is three hours out of class for every one credit hour. So basically, if you want to figure out your, your schedule, then you multiply the number of credit hours you're taking times four, and that's the number of hours that you should expect to spend on that class. So if you're taking, I'll get into that later, um, but we'll talk about like the different loads and, and, and that kind of stuff. So um, they're also for hours requirements for fulfilling your major. So at my school, go Trinity University Engineering Science. And Farzan, you might as well start sponsoring the podcast. I'm just saying, Dr. Minion, you got to start sponsoring the podcast. I'm just kind of shouting you out everywhere. Um, but if you look at the degree programs, what you'll see is the program requirements include classes, but also credit hours. So you, so you see there's all these credit hours and uh, come on, there should be something. Yes, here we go. Electives necessary to bring the total credit hours earned for the degree to 129. So whenever you're trying to earn a degree and you want to figure out how much it's going to cost for you to earn the degree, you calculate the number of credit hours and you kind of also account for four to 6% inflation every single year. 
uh, on that. And that's kind of how you can fi financially plan how much your degree is going to cost you. Okay. So how many hours is right for you whenever you're talking about planning? Well, uh, one hour in class equals three hours outside of class. So less than 12 hours is considered a part-time student. That's 48 hours a week uh, dedicated to school out of the possible... Hey Siri, what's 24 times 7? 168 hours in a week, but you know, subtract 8 for studying. Um, 13 to 14 credit hours is a, considered a light load, but you're considered a full-time full student. A 15 to 16 credit hours, which as you saw on that engineering uh, really briefly at Trinity's website, is kind of the, the norm the, the engineering students take all the way throughout their four years. It's considered a normal load. 17 to 18 credit hours is considered a full load. I had a couple semesters like that. They were not fun. And then 18 credit hours, more than 18 credit hours is what I'd call insanity. So don't do that. Um, and what I do is if you're if you're trying to plan out your time inside and outside of class, what I do is I would consider those, I would, even though you're only taking one credit hour in that lab class, treat it whenever you're planning like like the full three hours so that that way you can see realistically how much time you're going to spend outside of class because not all labs are like that but some labs can be super arduous outside of class and uh, shout out to my heat transfer and fluid labs and my controls lab and actually a lot of my labs in college but yeah a circus lab yeah all electronics lab yep yeah all of them took a significant amount of time outside of class. And what I did is I found myself spending sometimes some weeks more time in my labs uh, trying to get stuff done than in my my actual classes. So yeah, definitely not absolved from the three hours outside of class for every hour in class um, kind of philosophy. So yeah, um, that's kind of how you'd, you'd see how much is right for you. I'd say if you have a, if you're working full time, then you're probably going to be less than 12 credit hours. It's going to be really hard for you to be a full time student and a full time employee. Um, if you don't have a lot of extracurriculars, uh, if you're not, if you're not too spread thin, then maybe you can try to push up in the 17 to 18 credit hours. But a good balance is kind of hovering in that 14 to 16 range is, is, is what I recommend. And you kind of know yourself as a student. If you're, if you're struggling, then, you know, dialing back on your credit hours is one way that you can kind of allow yourself to focus more on your studies and, and kind of improve your grades. So, yeah. And then lastly, uh, degree and cost planning. We talked about it earlier. Uh, credit hours are the requirements for your degree. Uh, so 129 hours was what I was required to complete my engineering degree. I think I did, I think I did like 135 or something insane like that. I could I could find it somewhere. And then there's also credit hour requirements for general studies coursework. So you look at you look at um, like you might have to take three credit hours in physical education and nine credit hours in humanities and I had or like three credit hours in religion. So one class in religion or, or, but you know, it's not just one class. You have to have one class that actually fulfills the number of credit hour requirements. So that's kind of how it works. So let me, I'm just curious. Let's see. Um, let's see how many credit hours I took in college. I took you earned a total of 170 credits. <laughs> That's insane. How many of them were for my degree though? I couldn't do the math right now, but 170. Shout out. Now I went into school with like 30, but still 170 is insane. <laughs> Oh, why did I care that much in college? But anyways, that is credit hours. So hope you found it informative. Uh, if you have any questions about what are credit hours, um, let me know in the chat. But uh, happy to answer them. Send me a message at daniel at engineeringsuccess.com and gringsuccess.com and I will answer your questions about credit hours. All right, let's trade back. So now we did our little ditty on Daniel's research. You, again, you can read my blog post on credit hours on www 
engineeringsuccess.com. If you want to learn more about credit hours, you just go to my page and then you go to latest activity. And then you scroll down past episode 32 and you'll see my blog post on what are credit hours. And you can learn more and more about what credit hours are. So yeah, share it, like it, put it down. I was not working on Christmas. I was working on December 23rd. So for anybody looking, but yeah, give it a, give it a, give it a read. All right. Next question. Our first question of the day, actually. So our first question is, is a utility coordinator engineering? That's a great question. So is a utility coordinator engineering? I applied for a company to be a utility coordinator. I'm a bit confused to whether it is an engineering role. To be more specific, is, is it recognized by other companies to be a useful engineering role in, to, in case I need to jump ship? Background, I'm graduating with a mechanical engineering degree. So this person kind of answers it pretty well, that there are a lot of jobs that kind of straddle the engineering definition. So I work in construction and we have tons of jobs and they apparently work in construction too. Um, we have like engineers doing so many different things. So a utility coordinator for sure could be an engineer. It kind of just depends on what your job description is and whether or not you, whether or not you can grow in the ways you want to grow. So as a utility coordinator, you kind of just have to read the job description and say, hey, or and ask the manager maybe, what are the things that I'm going to be doing? And then you can say, hey, does, would it, if you want to ask, you can even ask them straight up, hey, would these be things that you would be able to mentor me to get my professional engineering license? You know, it, you know, picking that entry-level job is, is can have a lot to do with picking the industry you work in for the rest of your career. So if you're interested in that industry and you're interested in the type of work that people do in that industry, then then go for it. And and you'll see that as an engineer, you're very marketable. You're very versatile. You can do a lot of different things. And I, I my first job out of school was proposal coordinator, which I effectively was a, a mini, a pseudo project engineer running all of our engineering proposals that we submitted. And that experience really prepared me for my next job and then the job I'm in now. So it just kind of depends on what you want to do. And I, I'd say that if you want to do engineering design work, I'm guessing that you're probably not going to do that as a utility coordinator, but maybe you're you're working with, I don't, I don't know what a utility coordinator is, uh, but you have to kind of figure out what it is and, and see if those things are interested things that you want to do. They would be now, if the title says they need an EIT, then that's a good sign. And here's the okay, here's the here's the job description. EIT certificate or plans to pursue professional licensure. Good. So they want they want to develop you into a professional engineer. Uh, strong organizational organizational skills. You support project managers and engineers with engineering design tasks for various projects. Apply technical expertise and able to work with a project team on conventional and unconventional projects. Yeah, it sounds like you'll be working in teams of engineers as an engineer. And if you're, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, it sounds like it's within the engineering scope, especially if you want to pursue your professional engineering license. So yes, I'd say this job is probably a utility coordinator. And you might be watching this or listening to this and say, why did Daniel pick this question? The reason I picked this question is because I think it's important for people in high school that are considering or college considering engineering to realize that there are jobs out there where you can take a concept from beginning to end. And you do that, for example, in my engineering coursework, that's what I did. I had four semesters of engineering design coursework. And that's what I did. I just, I found a problem and I solved it. I took it all the way from problem to concept, to troubleshooting, to presenting. And there are, are jobs like that, you know, R&D type jobs in the industry where engineers can do that kind of thing. But that's not every job. In fact, a lot of those jobs are done people with maybe a little bit more education or specialized education, like a master's or a PhD. Not saying you can't get into that. Maybe you work for a startup and it's easier for you to get into that. But a lot of engineering is playing a part in a much larger thing. Like, for example, engineering consulting. In my industry, you're not 
the original equipment manufacturer. So if you need to solve a problem for, say, for example, Budweiser comes to you and says, hey, we're going to make more beer. Then we're going to make it this way. As the engineering consultant, you're not going down into like the technology to how they ferment the beer. And there's a separate company that specializes in making the equipment that do XYZ part of XYZ process. And some companies even do large parts of those processes. But as the engineering consultant, you're just pulling it all together. You're making sure that there's an adequate foundation and permitting and housing and power and um, utilities that connect into these things to run the systems. And then you run all this, you get, you build all the system together and you work with the construction firm to make sure that they're able to get the drawings so that they, that they can build it. And you're, you're taking things from, it's just, just a lot more moving pieces. So you're not taking it from, you're not taking the Coca-Cola from the individual molecules and then taking it to production. There, there's, there's very specific things that you can do. And in that big, big chain, there's engineers that are involved in purchasing and sourcing the, the, the original equipment. There's engineers that are involved in negotiating the contracts that go into that. There's engineers that are involved in designing the mechanical systems, the electrical systems, the the foundations, the structures that hold up the equipment, the permits, the interface with other contractors that are working in that area, dealing with logistics, dealing with customs, tariffs, duties, engineers. There, other people can get into those roles, but a lot of those jobs are also done by engineers. And for example, I'm an engineer and I work in contracts and engineers that work in change management and work in estimating how much the whole thing is going to cost. There's engineers that are involved in so many different aspects. And that's just engineering consulting as an industry. So there's so many different titles that may not say engineer one, engineer two, engineer three, but you can you can do engineering. And in fact, I'd say that there's more of those jobs than there are design engineer jobs. So I'd say that, is it engineering? Well, you got an engineering degree, you learn to solve problems. And if it is something that's interesting to you, then you can grow into it as engineer and, and it's probably going to be you can the things you're most interested in are the things that are going to be the most lucrative to you so yes i'd say it is engineering and uh this is one of my common rants i kind of say this kind of thing a lot but yeah so you can do anything so in that same spirit oh gosh <laughs> i saved another question and this one was why don't engineers rule the world. And as you can see, it's since been uh, removed. Uh, but I saved it anyway. So the question is, why don't engineers rule the world? Rule the world? And they used a throwaway account. And the question was, and it got removed, but it's a good question. So that's why it's on the podcast. Engineers from all fields already kind of rule the world from all, a technical standpoint already, but we are at the whim of politicians and business people and all other aspects. We all know the difficult problems the world faces and we are all motivated and smart enough to tackle them. The only thing stopping us is bureaucracy and money not going towards the right projects. I understand that is what politicians are for, but that clearly has not been working out. I always believe that engineers in all fields are always paid the most because they are hard to replace and find. However, I'm starting to think that they are paid the most to keep them in line. If engineers nationwide started getting paid less, it would have drastic consequences. The people that know the most, are the most passionate, and are the most capable would have reason to revolt and can do substantial damage to all aspects of industry. So they pay us large amounts so that we continue working for them rather than taking over control ourselves. How far are we going to let these things get worse before we come in and fix it ourselves? Why are we letting the greedy and idiots of the world make the decisions for the world that we created? Why haven't we done anything to stop this? We are fewer in numbers, but we already have agents in every aspect of the world and can tear it down from within easily. Why shouldn't we be dictating the direction of humanity? This is a genuine question as it boils my blood every time I'm reminded of some moron in charge of something he doesn't understand. We need to rise up and take what is ours in this world. Nice. I hope y'all like the way that I read that, by the way. Um, 
I'd say, first of all, these engineer engineers are involved in the just look at the business level. I think that there's a statistic on this, but most Fortune 500 CEOs have engineering degrees. With like, there was a whole article about this. Um, like, here you go. Why do many engineering students become Fortune 500 CEOs? Um, most top performing CEOs now have engineering degrees than MBAs. Most common majors of Fortune 500 CEOs, engineering. I mean, the rise of engineer turned CEOs. Can engineers become CEOs? I'd say that engineers are making a lot of the decisions in the world. And maybe these are engineers that have different levels of scope of understanding of what they're doing. You know, for example, um, you're not gonna, a CEO engineer might not know how to design XYZ thing or XYZ sub-process, but they know that that sub-process goes into bigger processes and then they make know how that interfaces with their business cases and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I think engineers already kind of do run the world. Now there are, you know, there is the politicians. And I, when I say about that, you know, that, that kind of frustrates me too. I'll be honest that there's these politicians that in my head don't, um, do don't you know I don't understand why they do the things that they do but my philosophy with that is I don't know what I don't know and I and I don't want to it's dangerous right to have an arrogant mentality about how useful and valuable somebody else's way of existing or making a living is I, I feel like um I think that these politicians do add tremendous value and, and it is simply, we just don't know, we don't know what they're doing for us. Uh, there's just so many things that are going on and, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't do half the things that all of our politicians do. So I, I, I would, I, I would not want to, to do that kind of thing. So um, why haven't we done anything to stop this? We are fewer in numbers. But we already have an agent in every aspect of the world and can tear it down from within easily. I mean, I don't, I think that's such an elitist mentality. I don't think that engineers are the best for everything. Now, engineers teach you how to solve problems. And yeah, you, engineers that, uh, that learn and, 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 and try to familiar, familiarize themselves with the, the subject matter that they want to work in. Um, an engineer that's passionate about global politics probably could be good at global politics, but not. I don't want Chad, the, the bridge designer, negotiating a prisoner swap with a foreign country uh i'm just saying so um and also i don't i don't think that engineers get paid the most um i'd say that the people that that work their way up in the ranks in the companies are probably the ones that are making the most money um i just I don't know. Um, I, I, I just don't understand this. This was just an interesting, interesting question. I mean, here, here's the other thing. Um, engineers, they get paid really well, but the, the engineer is not the only one that is valuable in a company. And I, I think that it's really, it's a really toxic mentality to have that kind of superiority complex as an engineer working for a company because um, all those jobs exist because they're important for the business case. So what I take away from this, uh, if I was talking to a young engineer that might have this mentality, is that you need to recognize value and you need to be humble whenever you work with your coworkers and you talk to your coworkers about what they do. And that humility um, will go a long way for you in your career. Uh, valuing others, under trying to understand and find the value in other things around you and why things are done the way they are, even if you don't think that their degree to get to that position was as rigorous, is a really good way to help yourself be a better employee. So I would, if you have this mentality or a similar mentality to this of elitism as an engineer over other roles in the company, I highly encourage you to just take the time to talk to other people and learn about what they do 
what it adds to the company and that will make you a better employee and therefore a better engineer for the company you work with. So that was kind of all over the place. As is most of the podcast, to be honest, I, I think I maybe I just filmed this podcast to listen to the sound of my own voice. But alas, you listen to it, you watch it. So thank you so much for supporting the podcast. All right, next question. Next question is, how can you combine writing with engineering? And here it is. I study at a technical university, but I'm truly interested in writing. Is there a way that I can creatively combine writing slash find my way out of engineering and get into writing? Thanks. Do engineers read it all? Question mark. LOL. I study cognitive science at a technical university, lots of computer science, and also classical piano at a music academy. I like writing. I know I'm a mess, but writing helps me sort it out. It's Wait, cognitive science isn't is that engineering? Is cognitive science engineering? Oh, I guess it's computer science. Is it considered? I guess it's a new thing. I never heard of it before. Um. I'd say that, yeah, engineers have to do a lot of writing because even if it's just emails, which is kind of um, kind of interesting, but yeah, I mean, you have to be an effective communicator in everything you do, and some of that includes writing. So engineering engineers do a lot of writing, and the engineers that are able to write and communicate things well over emails help us avoid meetings, and those are our favorite engineers, I will have to say. Those are the best engineers, the ones that can help eliminate meetings. So if you're a good and effective communicator over writing, you will, that will help you be more successful as, as an engineer. And also, you also study classic piano at a music academy. Hey, I also studied classic piano. So shout out to that. But yeah, and you asked about creative writing. Um, nah, I mean... What I'd say is that if you want to really kind of grow that muscle and creative writing, maybe, I don't know, not everything that you are passionate about has to be something you do for work. I, I'm i passionate about content creation and podcasting and other people's careers, and I don't do that for work. If I did that for my job, it would kind of actually inhibit my ability to do this podcast for my career. Um, so, you know. What I'd say is if you enjoy your career, um, you know, pursue it and use your skills in writing to make yourself a better engineer. And then maybe also have a hobby and something that you pursue on the side. And maybe that hobby turns into something that you can make money off of. And then it replaces your career, which could theoretically happen with this podcast. Maybe if I tried to increase my content quality. But hey, you know, I'm doing transitions now between scenes and I have background music whenever I step away from my computer. So maybe that's a little bit better. But yeah, I would say, um, you know, just just be a really effective writer in your work. Take pride in your communications and the way you write. And then also pursue it as a hobby. But yeah, you can combine writing with engineering. Um, some, some specific roles in engineering, maybe engineers that help write specs, um, engineers that help write um, SOPs, standard operating procedures, engineers that you're going to have to write plans. So as if you work um, in consulting, you know, we have like on our project, we probably have a million, not a million, but thousands of plans that we've written. And those plans were written by engineers, you know, plans on how to do change management, plans on how to do I mean, every project has plans, technical plans that you have the processes you have to follow. Um, another thing you could do is you could you could use your skills um, helping out your proposals or your pursuits team. If you're a project manager, you're going to be involved in writing a lot of bid proposals. So you can do a lot of writing there. Um, if you want to go, if you really want to work on your communication a lot, you can maybe become a sales engineer or work on business development. There's a lot of things you can do um, that you can write a little bit more, but I'd say also doesn't hurt to to pursue a, a passion on the side. So that's what I'd say about combining writing with engineering. All right. Next question. Signed job offer, then received another 
with a 30% raise. Would you take the second offer? Hmm. Let's see. How bad is it to take the second offer? It's 30% higher than the first offer in a much shorter commute. I hate the situation, especially as both offers were through acquaintances who reached out to take me to me months back, but take ages through the process. Offer one was faster verbally, so I sort of settled with it and even rejected offer two at a 10% raise a couple weeks back. Offer one was still verbal. Today, offer one became written. I signed it, and after a few hours, a revised offer two lands in my email with a 30% raise. I don't think I can reject it now. How bad is it to the first acquaintance? Is it such a raise typical of being unrejectable? It, is there a good approach to inform them? My intention is to mention the raise so they understand that it's high, but I don't want them to match it. I'm sold with offer two. It, I had a slight preference since the beginning, but stuck with offer one as they were first. Yeah, I'd say I'd probably take the second offer. You You haven't started onboarding yet, so they haven't really invested too much financial resources into you, um, you know, maybe really quickly do a Google search to make sure that there's not nothing, no repercussions that come back to you legally wherever you live, but I doubt it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just maybe reach out to the acquaintance and say, hey, thank you again so much for helping me through this process. I really enjoyed the interview process and I, I know I signed this offer, but um, uh, most of these offers aren't binding. Um, written binding. They're not, I don't think they're really, unless it's a contract, but I don't imagine it is. It's probably at will employment that um, if, as long as long as you're working in at will employment, it's not a contract. Company, company can terminate you whenever and you can terminate your employment with the company, whatever. Um, again, not an employment attorney, but that's my understanding. Um, yeah, just maybe reach out to the acquaintance and say, thank you so much for the, helping me out through the process. Uh, I really enjoyed the interview process. I could really see myself working for here, um, hence me accepting an offer. But then I just got another offer that is just so much better that I can't, when it comes to commute and compensation, I just can't, I can't turn it down. Um, so I'm going to take this other job offer. Really appreciate your help and and for, and helping connect me with this company and yada, yada, yada. And, and, and if they're your friend, they're an acquaintance, there's somebody that you care about, then then they're, they're going to be happy for you. Most people should be happy for you. Even the recruiter on the other side should internally feel happy for you if they're a reasonable company. If they overreact and they, they go ballistic on you, then maybe that's not a acquaintance or company that you want to be affiliated with anyway. So yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I mean, again, they, they haven't sent you a computer yet. They, they haven't, um, they haven't paid you a cost of living or a, re a relocation bonus or anything like that. So yeah, I would, I would definitely take the other offer, take the higher pay. And other people say, oh, as long as you don't think you want to work at company one in the future, take company two. Yeah, it might be difficult, but hey, if you, if you showed well enough in the inter interviews that they wanted to hire you once, they might, they probably would hire you again um, if you kind of had a good explanation. And again, your explanation could be literally, it was 30% more and a lower commute. I mean, that's perfectly reasonable reasons to take another job. Uh, it's a pretty strong thing. Uh, I, I have a, both of them are the, both of the offers are writing in writing. So take the second one. Uh, the worst case scenario is that second, the second company rug pulls you. Um, but if you think that there's a low likelihood that the second company rug pulls you, um, so you, that, so that there's no situation where you ever have to go back with your tail between your legs to company one, then go for it. Take company two. All right, three more questions. Next question is experiencing racism at work. What should I do? I started a new London-based role and I experienced racism on my first day. An older female white colleague asked me where I'm originally from. I told her, she then responded with, you look pretty for, insert my ethnicity. You have a nice model-like features, not like the big ugly lips they normally have. My response was shock. So I didn't say what I needed to say. I asked why. She said, usually they're ugly. My friend is from your country and she's ugly. I instantly felt unwelcome and as though I did not belong in this role. I am dreading going back tomorrow and facing her. She is someone without a filter. What shall I do? I'm probably, probably better off saying nothing not, to not jeopardize my future as I worked very hard to get into this field. My friends told me I should speak out as she will continue thinking, saying stuff like this is okay. Yeah. 
not cool. Not cool at all. So, so what I would do is I would first have a conversation with my manager about it. Hopefully this person is not your manager and say, Hey, this is what happened. And it made me feel really uncomfortable. And then your manager, since they've been there for longer than you probably will have a better understanding of what the, this politics and processes and procedures you can go through, um, to, to deal with this. So if you talk to your manager and they'll likely either say, Hey, this is something this is something, hey, our HR team is really smooth. Go ahead and just report it to HR and you can, there's XYZ levels of report. You can say, hey, you want to have an action or you just want to have it on file. Your manager can tell you, your manager could, if you want them to, could bridge a conversation with that person's manager or that person directly and help you navigate it. I, I This is the first thing I do is, is reach out to my manager and just kind of describe what happened because a good manager would then kind of walk you through your options at the company and and what your process is and, and what kind of things you can do um, and then kind of give you a good perspective of maybe how those things have been dealt with in the past or how you can deal with those things and how the company deals with those type of things, what the culture in the company is, those type of things. Um, no, what happened to the stream? Um, Looks like the stream went down. Um, hmm. Interesting. But yeah, I, I would say go go for go for the conversation, right? And and just kind of talk it out with your manager. And then if you want to, I, what I would say is um, is is then kind of you can make a decision on what you want to do next. Um, but your manager should be able to help you get give you the confidence that. That, yeah, this is uh, this is what this is what you kind of give you your options and, and then you can have the confidence to kind of do whatever you want to do. So that's what I would do is just kind of talk to your manager. Um, this isn't even like a micro microaggression as that one person said. This is like straight up racism and maybe they don't realize it's a racist comment. So um, maybe the manager, you know, kind of keep on watching it and kind of keep yourself prepared for practice what your statement will be to that person the next time that they make a, a statement that's racist like that. Um, which, but man, I, yeah, I, I would, I would just kind of first talk to your manager about it and kind of let them walk you through what to do. I, I, I wouldn't kind of take it into your own hands. I wouldn't come back at her with kind of snarky remarks. That's not really going to do you any justice. It might make you feel good at the time, but it's not really going to do anything for you. But yeah, I, I would just kind of talk it out with your manager and kind of see what to do. But man, that's terrible. Uh, I'm sorry that that happened on your first day of work. That's just a bad sign for the culture that they have at that company. But maybe, hopefully, it's just one bad apple. All right. Next question. Any other recent grads still amazed by how much free time they have now? All right. Let's copy it in here. I graduated six months ago, and honestly, I am still in awe of how much time I have for myself now. I work just 40 hours in my role, sometimes even less than that, and get to work from home one to two days a week. It's so much better than school, it's not even funny. Yeah, this is just a kind of here's what happens type of post that I kind of wanted to share for the, the current engineering students out there. It does get better. It is worth it. Um, if you if you take your time and you pick a good company to work for, and you can kind of have the work-life balance that you want. And then you have the your evenings back. I will say that you don't have those long breaks like in winter and summer anymore, but you do have your evenings, which which in my opinion makes it all um, makes it all worth it. And it's it's really nice. I, I appreciate having my evenings. Uh, it's again it's, it's better than school for sure. Um, so yeah, the one thing I'd say is is keep that time empty for as much uh, as long as you can because you there's going to be a lot of things that try to creep their way into that time being a student being an overachiever as many engineering students are you have uh there's that there's that itch right to to get stuff done and you feel like you're not being productive uh i had that itch and and i have since filled all that time with other things and and now i don't have much free time i mean i come home from work go to bed um but i i have my podcast i have I'm married. I have 
friends and family that I spend time with. There's other things that other things creep their way into that time. And those are things that you should want to spend time on. I want to spend time hanging out with my friends and with my wife. And, uh, and I will want to spend times with my, I guess this is the first time I mentioned on the podcast with my future child, which we are expecting in June. Um, but yeah, yeah. Don't rush to fill that, that free time with other things. Uh, other things will find their way into that time. So just, just enjoy it while you have it, while it is more free. And then quickly you'll find that things creep their way in as things do. But yeah, I was amazed by the amount of free time I had. And I, I got involved with Toastmasters. I got involved with all these extracurriculars and then all that free time went away. And I've kind of had to slowly kind of cull that back and, and slowly claw some of my free time back. So that's what I'd encourage you to do as well. So uh, just kind of avoid doing yourself. It's, it's what I'd avoid. So just, you know, enjoy the free time, relax, rest, give yourself some time, especially after you first graduated. Let your life kind of fall into place. Pursue your personal passions and and don't 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 be so eager to fill those things with commitments. Um, but we all we all will. Inevitably we all do. So all right. Next question. And the last question. I lied to my boss for, about my reason for resignation and he caught me out in my lie. This is interesting. Question is that I told my boss over the Christmas period that I would be resigning due to moving locally and he won't accept my resignation. He told me that many people in the firm commute to work up to two hours and he said they could make it to work, something like work from home. I froze up on the phone and I just said that they're, oh, they can make it work, something like work from home. I froze up on the phone and I just said that there are other personal issues for my resignation and he said I don't have to tell him, but we can discuss it after the Christmas break. The truth is that I'm moving universities interstate due to personal issues at home with mom and dad. I'm so damn nervous now because I have to talk to him tomorrow. Should I just tell the truth and prepare for all the damn awkwardness or just continue with, I have personal issues at home. Don't want to work anymore. Yeah. So, you know, you, you said you're moving locally and he won't accept your resignation. And he said, he, he just kind of opened the door saying, Hey, you know, if you needed to still work and uh, I, I don't know the nuances of this conversation, but I'm going to assume the best of your boss and say, Hey, you know, we can make it work and let you work from home. Uh, sounds like he's just making it possible for you to continue working from them if you wanted to. But what I'd just say is, hey, you, you don't really have to give a reason whenever you resign. You you really don't. Um, so I just say, hey, I appreciate that, but I I, I am no longer going to be able to work for this company more after X Y Z date, as that is the that will be my last day at the company, and and then just kind of drop it. Uh, if you if you don't want to work there anymore, you don't want to work there anymore, and you don't really have to explain. Um, it's I would I would give your boss a little bit of grace here. Um, other people are, are, might say, "Oh, they're unwilling to accept your resignation." Um, if if they're being like ridiculous about being unwilling to accept your resignation and they're constantly badgering you and badgering you, yeah, I'd be annoyed. But if they just kind of in that moment kind of said, "Hey, well, um, you know, we could do this, we could do that," then uh, what I just say is, "Sorry." Uh, this is my last, this is going to be my last day. Uh, and, and that's it. And, and, and drop it. So I, I, it's not really a, you don't have to tell him the truth. You don't have to open up about anything you don't want to open up to, to this guy. You're not going to work for him anymore. You don't owe him anything, but yeah, I, I, I just kind of, that's what I do in the situation and just say, Hey, I appreciate you trying to accommodate me, but that's just not, um, I have other reasons for resigning. Um, personal reasons and I, I can't really elaborate on them, but, uh, I'm not, I'm XYZ is going to be my last date. So that's what I'd say. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the engineering success podcast. Uh, as you now know, we have a website, www.engringsuccess.com, engineeringsuccess.com. Um, I'm having a child. I'm having a baby. I'm going to be a father. They, they, uh, they're they, somehow the world is letting me be a dad. So kudos, shout out to that. Um, I hope to answer more of your questions, uh, write into me at ENGRING, Daniel at ENGRING success. Um, I still have the potential interview on the hook. I have not lost it completely yet. Sorry, Mark. I, life has just been busy and I have not taken the time to write your script yet. I also haven't finished writing thank you notes to all the people that gave me gifts at my wedding. So that just shows you where I'm at right now. Um, but I'm working on it <laughs> um, and please support the podcast. 
um, if it's not financially, share it with people that you think might listen to it, might enjoy it. Um, sorry, what's that? Okay, I was going to sneeze. <laughs> and share the podcast. Rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'll read out all the five-star reviews. And uh, subscribe to the notifications, either on YouTube, hit the notif- notification bell, on Anchor, uh, sh- or whatever your podcast provider is, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And on the website, uh, subscribe to email notifications so you can get notified each time I make a post or post a new episode of the podcast. So anyways, thank you for your support. This has been the Engineering Success Podcast, episode 33. I will catch you in the next one. Communicating, I'm miscommunicating. I just made a pilot, then they threw me on the stations. Now I'm not complaining, now I'm not complaining. My thoughts get complicated, I cannot explain in lameness. Never losing focus because I ain't chasing payments. Still playing in the basement while I'm working on arrangements. They heard the kid in 50 countries, thank God that's amazing. But I'd rather thank Spotify, they put me on the stations.